podcast for jrpgs this uh episode we are going to be doing uh dragon quest 8 and uh who am i with here uh, hello everyone my name is elisa who uh you may you may know from uh our other podcast uh <laughs> mega <Megaton> marathon <laughs> yep <laughs> couldn't help myself where we uh yeah yeah um you know, go through all the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games <laughs> because that seems like a really good idea. And I'm sure, you know, we'll be doing this, doing that show uh, when we're in our uh, retirement home. Oh, I'm, yeah, um, most likely. <laughs> Finally playing Shin Megami Tensei 5. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, so what's your history with uh, with Dragon Quest? Um, so I originally did play it for uh, PS2. That was my first Dragon Quest game, um, which I guess which makes a lot of sense considering that was the first one that actually came to the states, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think. Yeah, it was the first one to be titled uh, Dragon Quest. As that's right, to Dragon Warrior. Yes, that was it. So yeah, so that was yeah, that was actually my first one. Um, and I felt like I really enjoyed it, like the different, like how it was very, very traditionally, um, you know, fantasy, uh, and how it's very traditional. It's RPG, you know, self versus. Let's say at the time when I was playing a lot of Final Fantasy and like other more modern uh, takes on that genre. So I ended up loving it. And then when it came out for the 3DS, I, I knew I had to get it, especially when I heard about the alternate ending. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, I never did the PS2 version, which I guess came out in 2002. Yeah, and I believe so. came out on mobile in 2005, which I guess it's one of those weird like Japanese phone things where I think they were like you know playing apps like long before we had smartphones yeah pretty much and then uh yeah it was re-released on 3ds in 2017 and uh yeah like you know i think the uh yeah i've only played 3ds version and i think that i can't remember this is my first dragon quest um i think it i think it is but yeah i mean i i totally I don't know. At first, like I was just kind of like, this is like the most vanilla JRPG yeah. you could possibly get. And then once you get kind of deeper into the game, yeah. it adds a lot of really like kind of cool uh, kind of twists on that. It does. And it's like the setting and like the world and the characters are just so charming. The monster designs are really charming. Like I've always been a fan of um, Akira Toriyama's uh you know, character and art designs in general. And so like seeing this game where he's been working on, I know since the first one and just so like thoroughly him and it's just, 
it's really, you know, it's really lovely. Like, I just love that kind of nice charm that he adds to it. It really, like, fleshes out the world and, and pulls you into it more, you know? It is and such a charming game. It is. And the writing, too, is just so charming and fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny. It's so clever. And, like, you know, I love the, like, bastardized old English. <laughs> Me <they> too. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's, I guess, you know, this is like the lit major me speaking, but like, uh, I guess it's middle English, but it's yeah. totally bastardized and, uh, it's really, really enjoyable. Yeah, me too. And I always love that too, that they, uh, each region, you know, you have these characters like NPCs and whatnot who actually have different dialects and it's really cool to see that reflected, like in the localization like i really love that that was such a nice little extra like um uh you know a little extra something to that game yeah totally totally um yeah i think that's something that the series is really strong at i mean even like like i've been playing uh dragon quest builders too and yeah uh it's really good at like just having those different dialects between the different islands and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a pretty cool game. Like I really came to dragon quest pretty late, but I'm really digging it. Yeah. Same, same here. Cause yeah, basically from there, I went from like eight to nine. I love nine. <laughs> and and I, I wanted 10 to come out here. It didn't happen. So I played, played a bit of the older ones i played some of the spinoffs like dragon um uh what was it called again the um the one in the um in the in the dynasty warriors engine i can't think of the name oh yeah yeah god i can't oh yeah uh was it dragon quest heroes yes i think that was the one that that game is a lot of fun too i love that was super fun it is. So, you know, I started playing all that. And so now looking forward to 11, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking for 11. I'm glad that I held out for the Switch version. but Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that they're doing the, like, like retro top-down version of it, too. Yeah, that's incredible. That's essentially two separate games they had to program. You know, mm -hmm. so it's insane that they actually, you know, put all that effort into this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really impressive. I guess the additional year that they spent was well spent time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's see. Like getting back to Dragon Quest Eight, like you know, there were some new game mechanics. Um, one of, one of them was the uh, you know uh, switch to kind of an over the shoulder three uh, D display on all maps, which kind of replaced the traditional bird's eye view. Um, it can optionally be switched to a first person view. I don't know why uh, you would want to do that. <laughs> um, there's an auto map feature in the dungeons and complete maps of all the towns. Um, characters are shown holding their equipped weapons in an appropriate posture. You know, in a few cases, characters display uh, displayed clothing will change to reflect their other equipment. Um, let's see, buildings in a town are visible from the overworld view, and um, yeah, chests and special encounters with tameable monsters can be found in the overworld. 
and uh, they uh, restored the uh, day-night cycle of uh, uh, Dragon Quest 3, uh, 4, and 5. Um, so time now passes in towns, and uh, the party can't use it in to switch from day to night, and vice versa. So this means there's no longer a darkness lamp, darkness lamp or related spells. And uh, yeah, you can have party conversations. Those are returning uh, from previous installment, but uh, now you can actually choose who uh, you want to talk to. And uh, yeah, the battle screens are shown in a 3D view with these kind of shifting camera angles to uh, display the current combatant. And uh yeah, the party appears in the battle scene, unless unlike you know previous installments, and uh, you know it's just kind of like a lot more kind of like clever animations and things to just make it you know quality of life uh, improvements. Exactly, <laughs> and then um, one of the major new systems they introduced is called the attention uh, system. Uh, you can tell it's a bit Dragon Ball inspired. Nothing wrong with that, at least to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, which allows combatants to spend their turn psyching up, which builds up a level of tension. Uh, tension will increase the power level of their next attacker spell. Uh, tensions can then be charged repeatedly up to four levels, which increase attack power in each stage. There's a new party AI option to focus on using high tension attacks, and that replaces the old leave it to me option. Tension can be used to overcome a monster's resistance to physical or elemental attacks. Um, I think it's kind of funny that uh, Bravely Default and Octopath the Traveler kind of got kind of got uh, credit for doing this kind of thing when uh, <clears throat> Dragon Quest Eight was doing it a long time ago. Yeah, I know, and I feel like that's kind of the thing. Like, I think this is such an old, long-running series. People sort of just underestimate how much it's like influenced a lot of RPGs, especially because it's not Final Fantasy, which is crazy because of how big it is in Japan. But. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, um, and then so attempting to reach the fourth super high tension state has a chance of failure depending on the character's level. Uh, also, of course, some monsters are able to instantly reach the third stage and then will <laughs> repeatedly attempt to reach super high level because, you know, you got to have your monsters and bosses that exploit the system. <laughs> Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also have the uh, skill system. Each character has five skill values that can increase during the course of the game. Three are associated with the character's three favorite weapon types, one with unarmed combat and the one with the character's special ability. Skill points are awarded on level up or when using a, sil a skill seed. Uh, and they can be distributed among the five skills by the player. Increasing a skill beyond certain fixed levels grants additional powers and bonus to statistics when the player is using an appropriate type of weapon. Yeah, and then there's um, the alchemy system. So at a certain point in the game, the uh, party receives an alchemy pot. The Basically, the device can be used to uh, combine two items into the third, usually more powerful item which uh, follows various recipes. Uh, the combination takes a certain amount of time, 
depending on the power of the combined item and the leveled pot. Uh, this time only advances as the party moves. And uh, later in the game, the pot is uh, upgraded to hold three items, allowing additional, even more powerful uh, recipes. Um, yeah, yeah, which this kind of reminds me of the uh, Atelier games. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, an invalid recipe uh, will be rejected immediately without consuming the items which means that the uh, player can kind of experiment with uh, new recipes. And uh, basically in bonus dungeon, the player can choose to take a pot that can mix items instantly as a uh, prize for defeating the Lord of the Dragovinians or Vians. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can pick up uh, new recipes or clues uh, in various books and scraps of paper through, uh, found throughout the game. And um, basically all the recipes that the player has discovered are listed in a recipe book, which are uh, accessed through the alchemy um, menu. And recipes that are only partially known uh, will have some names replaced with, you know, the JRPG uh, standby question, 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 question mark. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the 3DS features... Um, you know, uh, they added a few. There's uh, two new player playable characters, Red and Mori, who are uh, NPCs. Previous version, there's no random encounters. You can see uh, monsters through the world map and in dungeons. Uh, yeah, there's dungeons in the 3DS version that have gimmicks that weren't in the PS2 version. Um, like the mobile version, you'll be able to save skill points for later use. Uh, let's see, uh, there's a soundtrack by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra. Uh, players can take photos in the game. There's a new type of quest called Photo Quest that have, uh, that have been added. And um, there's new scenarios. There's further backstory for both the hero and uh, Dual Magus. There's an alternative ending. There's new Din Dungeons. Um, there's some new, uh, post-game story content added. Um, Jessica's revealing costumes were toned down <laughs> and the cutscene of Marcelo was toned down by using light magic instead of getting stabbed with his knife on his own right arm oh to free himself God. for the specter's thorns. And, uh, there's a cutscene of David, um, he being forced to eat the dog food that's changed. So, yeah. You know, some Nintendo appropriate yeah. because I believe Nintendo released this game um, in the West at least. Yeah, for the 3DS, right? I believe so. Yeah, there's some weird, weird arrangement with Square Enix where not everything, but about half of the stuff that is a Square Enix title when it gets released in the US, it gets actually released by Nintendo. And I'm not sure what that is all about. Yeah, it's like it's like you really that lazy square. You don't want to release <laughs> your own games in the West. I mean, to be honest, uh, I know this sounds messed up because I'm fine with Square's localization, but I feel like overall Nintendo does a much better job. Like definitely more consistently better. So I, yeah, I think yeah. I think the treehouse is like, you know, yeah. they they do a really, really solid job. Like Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, like comparing, say, like uh Fire Emblem Three Houses to uh say uh Astral Plane. 
um, it's like the writing is so, so different and yeah. both are localized like incredibly well. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, oh, one other feature I meant to mention, um, they added Japanese voice acting in the Japanese version, um, which sounds kind of like a no brainer, but I remember on the PS2, uh, version, there was no voice acting in the Japanese. One of the big things was when they brought it over to the West, they actually added English voice work, which was like, you know, really cool. So I guess with this version, the 3DS, when they decided to actually add that, you know, to the Japanese uh, release. So just a little fact that's, there. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so, because I remember that too when I actually had the game, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in terms of the characters, uh, playable characters, we have the hero. Um, he's a royal guard of uh, Troden who journeys with King Trode to hunt down Dual Magus and make him pay for his crimes. His pet mouse Munchie always rides in his uh, right coat pocket. Uh, you have Yangus. Uh, Yangus is a former bandit who journeys with the hero in King Trode. Uh, like the hero, he's a party member from the start of the game. It's uh, highly implied that him and Red had a romantic relationship prior to the events in the game. Uh, Then we have Jessica. Uh, Jessica is a voluptuous, short-tempered, and tomboyish sorceress born to a wealthy family in the town of Alexandria and the third party member. She seeks to avenge her brother, Alistair, who is slain by Dual Magus. In the 3DS remake, uh, Jessica may marry the hero in the new alternate ending, uh, which, you know, made me really happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Angelo. Uh, Angelo is one of um, uh, Mela Abby's uh, Templar knights. If I mispronounce these names, please correct me. I'm so bad at remembering. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> terrible at it too. So. <laughs> and the fourth party member, though unable to live with the strict moral code of the Templars, with his lust for gambling and women, especially Jessica. He is faithfully devoted to Abba Francisco. Uh, so then we also have, of course, the 3DS only uh, party members, Red and Mori. So Red is a tough and ruthless pirate captain of a private ship. She is playable in the 3DS version after, the, after finishing the um, Pirate's Cove dungeon. It is highly implied that she and Yangus had a romantic relationship prior to events of the game. She also has an associate in the black market who she bought Princess Medea in horse form from uh, Dodgy Dave. And then there's Maury, who is the quirky and energetic owner of the Monster Arena, who has an especially soft spot for the hero. He is optionally playable in the 3DS version after defeating him in the tournament. Uh, he always has a posse of bunny girls at his side. I'll bet Marie is his favorite, much to, you know, Mary's uh, Chandran. <laughs> yeah yeah and then there's you know your other side characters so you got king trode he's the uh, king of uh Trodane, and uh yeah he's a titular character of dragon quest eight journey of the cursed king he was uh transformed into a toad-like creature by the evil wizard dual magus and uh he's trying to find a way to lift the curse around upon him so uh, during parts of the game, if you press the select button, King Trode will give you helpful advice. Uh, he's also playable during the party's time in uh, Tyr and Gully. You got Princess Medea. She's the uh, daughter of King Trode. 
She was turned into a horse. <laughs> that's always, that's always, always a good sign. When her father was cursed by dual magus. Uh, she travels with the heroes by pulling the cart with their supplies. This seems like a real like downgrade. Uh, she, she and the hero are close childhood friends. In the end, though, it turns out she loves the hero, and they get married in both endings in different ways. During the gameplay, you find a spring where Medea turns human for a few moments, and uh, she gives some evidence that she is in love with the hero. Then you got Marcello. Uh, Marcello is the captain of the Templar Knights who guard the abbot with their lives. However, Marcello wants more power than was offered, and after he uh, takes over following the abbot's death, he becomes partner to uh, High Priest Rolo. So uh, with this opening, the resulting events that Marcelo causes will set the stage for the fate of the world to be decided. Uh, he's the only wielder of Raphorn's Spectre that didn't become a mind slave, at least until the hero weakened him. So you got Sir Leopold. He's a spoiled dog of the great magician Dom- Domenico. Leopold is uh, let out of his cage by the mistake of a servant, and after the previous welder, the scepter drops it. Leopold picks it up and is taken over by Rapthorn. <laughs> after he's beaten by the hero, he drops the scepter and dies. And then you got Dual Magus. He's a jester who, in order to get revenge on those who insulted him, store, stole a magical scepter from Troyden Castle. However, when he attempted to unleash its power, it overwhelmed him and allowed Rapthorn to take over his body. Then you got Rapthorn, Lord Rapthorn. He's the main antagonist who's uh, heard but not seen until the end of the game. His spirit was trapped in the Troyden Scepter that Dual Magus uh, possessed in the beginning of the game. And um, yeah, so he possesses uh, Dual Magus through the Scepter, then Jessica... Then a fear, uh, fear some pet dog named, named Sir Leopold, and finally Marcello, who resists him partially until he killed each heir of the Seven Sages to release his energy and assume a corporal form. So shall we uh, <laughs> move on to the plot? Yep, of course. So it starts with the hunt for uh, Dual Magus. Um, it began the game begins when the evil jester dual magus steals a magical scepter from Troden castle with this powerful scepter he transforms the inhabitants of uh, Troden into plant-like statues as well as changing the kid into a toad the king excuse me into a toad-like monster and the princess into a horse while covering the majority of the castle in large green magical thorns the hero a young Troden guardsman is the only resident to remain uncursed Accompanying the cursed king and princess, he hunts Dumagus in hopes of restoring Troden to its former glory. The heroes eventually join on his quest by three companions, uh, a scarred, inarticulate bandit named Yagus, a, wa- a wand-waving tomboy named Jessica, and Angelo, a rapier-wielding Templar knight and self-proclaimed ladies' man. Also, you know, as we know, the 3DS version has the additional two... Uh, playable characters Red and Maury. So during their travels, the party runs into Dumagus several times. A couple of these encounters involve Dumagus killing someone beloved by members of the hero's party. 
Uh, individuals slain by Dual Magus, including Alistar, Jessica's brother, and Abbot Francisco, who is the head of the abbey where Angelo lives. The party finally tracks down Dual Magus to the Dark Ruins, where they find him recuperating and finally face off against him. After his defeat, he tries to curse the party with his scepter, but the hero is again unaffected by the curse, blocking the blast and sparing the other party members. Dumagus then uses his menacing power to change into a hideous creature. However, even with his new powers, he is no match for the might of the heroes. Much to their surprise, however, is they find that even with his defeat, the curse has still not been lifted. Concluding that something else must be maintaining the curse, they leave the ruins with Jessica picking up Dumagus's scepter as they exit. Hello there. Seems like a good uh, spot to take a little break and uh, let you know that you can uh, support Combo Chain and uh, Mega Ten Marathon by going to Mirror Image Studios on Patreon. Even a buck or two uh, helps a lot. So yeah, uh, then you move on to uh, the next owners of the staff. So. Next morning, uh, Hero and the others find, that, to their surprise, that Jessica is missing. While uh, searching for her, the party enters a town called Arcadia, arriving just in time to save a magician named Domenico from a apparently possessed Jessica wielding the scepter. After chastising David, his young servant, Domenico sends the heroes to find the Cran Spinals to aid in uh, warning off Jessica. So uh, once the heroes return with the jewels, Domenico uses them to create a more effective barrier against Jessica. When he uh, prepares the incantation to wreck the barrier, the party engages Jessica outside in an attempt to stall her, uh, discovering in the process that her true objective is David, who's an heir of one of the seven great sages. So um, after the battle... Uh, Domenico's batter, uh, barrier is able to release Jessica from her possession. And after recovery, uh, Jessica reveals what her possessor had planned, as well as giving it a reign, Rapthorn, the Lord of Darkness. And uh, his soul had been previously been imprisoned inside the scepter by the seven sages, and he plots to remove the seals by killing their heirs as soon as possible. At that point, the uh, party realizes the scepter is missing. Uh oh. <laughs> Should have kept a better eye on that. So yeah. they rush uh, <laughs> they rush over to Domenico's estate only to see that Rapthorn has succeeded in mortally wounding David uh, after taking control of Domenico's dog, Sir Leopold, as his next host. So after Rapthorn uh, flees, David utters his final words as a uh, repentant and grieving uh, Domenico laments over him. So, with only uh, two heirs left to kill, the possessed Sir Leopold absconds to the snowy mountain valley of the north. An old, money, uh, an old woman named Marta, who happens to be one of the two remaining heirs, lives in the, winter, uh, the wintry countryside. So, after running an errand for Marta and finding her son, Marek, party comes back to Marta's house only to see it set ablaze by Sir Leopold. Holding her son, Marek's hostage, Leopold uh, forces Marta to come out and face it. He manages to kill her and flies away to find the last living heir. So, uh, enlisting the heir, aid of the legendary godbird, Imperia, uh, the party tracks down Leopold to uh, the, high, the Lord High Priest mansion and they engage him. 
After putting down the possessed Sir Leopold, he loses his grip on the scepter and dies. Uh, the Lord High Priest goes into shock and faints. Meanwhile, Marcello, who's the new abbot and Angelo's half-brother, enters and frames the party for attempting to assassinate the Lord High Priest, and he has them uh, ex- exiled to Purgatory Island. Uh, Marcello uh, picks up the scepter, but manages to resist Lord Rapthorn's evil influence. He uh, assumes his position as Lord High Priest thereafter. All right, so the next section, um, the party manages to escape from Purgatory Island, returning to face Marcello on the Holy Isle of Neos, uh, Neos and uh, defeats him. In his weakened state, Marcello gives in to Rapthorn's influence. With all seven sages killed, Rapthorn is resurrected in flesh and blood. He transforms Neos into the Black Citadel, and raises it into the sky to stage his attack upon the world. The heralds battle their way to the citadel and defeat Rapthorn in his first body. However, by doing so, Rapthorn is, uh, is able to unleash his full power and incorporate the Black Citadel into himself, transforming himself into a massive de- uh, devil looming over the land. Imperial calls upon the heroes to destroy Rapthorn once and for all. The scepter of Troden, imbued with Imperia's uh, essence, is now an essential weapon for the party, able to unlock the power of the seven orbs containing the spirits of the seven sages to penetrate into Bapthorn's mighty barrier and engage him in mortal combat. After finally ending the reign of Rapthorn, the party restored peace to the world, King Trode and Prince Medea are changed back to their human forms, and the curse of Trode, along with its thorns, is lifted and removed. What did you think about this uh, final battle? Uh, and that's the thing. Um, I'm going to say Dragon Quest usually has really good final battles, and I don't think this one was um, this one was an exception either. Like they're just very fun. Like they they're tricky, but they never feel overly cheap. No, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, you know, it's just it, and it feels satisfying because you know the villains never come out of anywhere, so it's just overall always just feels very satisfying when you finally beat them. It's it's really you know they're just yeah, this is a very good boss battle, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got a kind of a cool uh, like puzzle element to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that I really really dug, and um, so yeah, now we're moving on to the princess's wedding. Uh, this is one of the endings you can get, uh, depending on which version you're uh, using. So seven years, uh, seven months later, the hero is assigned to escort Princess Medea to her arranged wedding with Prince Char- Charms. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Of uh, Aragonia. <laughs> After reuniting with his three friends, the hero sets sail for uh, Savella Cathedral with the king and princess. Prince uh, Charmless. Charmless. <laughs> you know, I got to admit, I uh, li- play most of these games with the sound off. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he meets with the entourage personally and forbids the party from attending the ceremony within the cathedral. On the day of the wedding, the hero manages to slip into the cathedral with Yangus's help. However, uh, the princess is nowhere to be found. The hero escapes and finds the princess at the cathedral courtyard waiting for him. They uh, return to Troy, uh, Troydane in a carriage ste- steered by King Trode and live happily ever after. It was a very sweet ending. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and then be- 
through the uh, 3DS version, there's a new alternate ending, um, which can be achieved once the first ending has been viewed, which unlocks the Dragovian realm, which is sort of like a nice bonus, you know, dungeon. Uh, A well-experienced party of heroes can challenge the Lord of the Dragovians at the Heavenly uh, Days. Dies. Dies? Okay. If successful, the hero's true origins are revealed, and the alternate ending will replace the first ending, where the player defeats Rapthorn again. In the alternate ending, the hero is revealed as the son of the lost prince of Argonia. His mother was a Dragovian maiden who escaped to the human world and met Clavius, his older brother, but her father did not agree to the relationship and took her home. Following after, the prince died just short of the Dragovian homeland. The hero was born shortly afterwards, but sentenced to exile in the human world as his birth took the life of his mother. Ashamed for his actions, the maiden's father went with his only surviving kid as the mouse Munchie. Upon defeating the Dragovian lord, who had become mad after trying to abandon his human form, gives the hero his father's ring. Clavius, king of Argonia, and Prince Charmless's father acknowledge the hero's right to marry the princess after seeing the ring, which allows him to finally feel at peace with his lost brother. The two are wed at uh, Savella Cathedral, much to the scorn of Charmless, who was finally confronted by his father over his initiation test earlier in the story. The newlywed couple come out of the cathedral together and embrace each other, much to the surprise of the other party members. They return to Trode in the same fashion as the first ending and live happily ever after. And that's it, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, it's heartwarming all around, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. What were your uh, takes takes on the uh, game in general? Um, let's see. That I, I just yeah, that I just really really like this game. I mean, I don't have that much experience with the franchise, but I would say with the ones I play, this is probably one of my favorites. Uh, which I think currently my favorite is nine. Um, but. But yeah, it's just, it's a really just, it's one of those games that it could have been very generic and boring, if Mm. not for it having such, you know, solid, good writing, good characters, like, you know, once again, as you were talking about earlier, the setting and everything just being so charming, you know, so it kind of elevates it into something that's like really classic to me. You know, what what I really dig about it is that... You know, when you start out, you're like, oh, man, this is kind of a bog standard JRPG. It's like you can fight, you know, you, you can just like get some magic. You know, it's like nothing that you haven't seen in like a 16-bit JRPG. And then they just keep on like layering on the systems. And it's it's just very, very cool and unexpected. And I agree, it's just all around like a really, really charming game. and um yeah i i really really dug it and i wasn't quite sure what i would think of it uh when i first started out um my previous experience with the dragon quest was dragon quest 7 which is kind of a slog (laughs) yeah yeah i've heard (laughs) yeah it's just i mean there's cool things in there (laughs) but time travel and all this kind of stuff but 
Man, it just goes on for days. Yeah, so I think this was like a really good return to form kind of uh, Dragon Quest title. And I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like I said, I mean, maybe I'm report repeating myself, but characters are charming. The writing's really, <clears throat> really, really strong. Uh, and um, yeah, all around, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely. a JRPG that just like makes you sort of like appreciate like the genre once again it does you know I, yeah i think it is a kind of a good game to play like if you've kind of gotten a little tired of rpgs and this is like oh okay this is actually a, a nice little reminder of why i like it so much and and i forgot too yeah how much i love the uh just the battle system like you said it, it starts off simple and then it has like this really nice depth without it being overly complicated and I, I do love the monster. I love the um, encounters as well. Like the boss battles are always a lot of fun. And I like that it's one of those games that isn't overly difficult, but mm-hmm. it's not easy either. Like you do actually have to pay attention during battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, I mean, as much as I love those games and I know that you do too. You know, there's there's elements of SMT of Shin Megami Tensei where it's like, man, how long, how how many hours am I just going to be banging my head against the wall? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how many crits can I get from Minotaur? Like, <laughs> oh my lord, oh my lord. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So you don't really have those moments. You know, it's just it's a nice balance that they hit overall, which is. Which is honestly really rare, and because I, I I'm not trying to brag, but I just feel like a lot of JRPGs are pretty easy. So, yeah, like overly so. So it's nice to get a game that just strikes a good balance in between, like what it should be. I think in terms of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like this might sound like an insult, but it's just like. Straight down the middle, great JRPG. Um, You know, and uh, I don't know. We've had some pretty good luck on this show so far with, uh, well, with uh, Ease 8. That was was a really great game. Um, And I would agree that's that's kind of in the same realm. Uh, You know, Fire Emblem Awakening... People have varying opinions about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else to add. Um, I'm hoping uh, future episodes. Uh, you know, you might want to like do some co-hosting. Maybe we can get some guests on or something like that. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I like about these apps. Uh, or the shows that you know they're a little more lightweight and one of the things that um i did for my own sanity is that i picked jrpgs that i have already beaten (laughs) (laughs) yes i agree it makes things a lot easier yeah yeah with uh with uh smt games to uh play on the other side (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. Uh, is there anything uh, before we wrap up here? Uh, anything you want to plug? 
Ah, uh, see, do I have anything? Oh, I guess I never actually plugged them on uh, this hot podcast. Uh, I usually plug them on the uh, the Mega Ten Marathon one, but um, I'm a part of a group called uh, Black Girl Gamers. So, really, you know, awesome group full of uh, journalists and programmers, streamers. Uh, yeah, primarily streamers, of course. You know, basically you know, black women who are involved in uh, the video game community in one way or another. And it's just a really, really great uh, community. Uh, You know, just very supportive. Uh, It's fun to actually go and watch their streams or participate in different panels at like various conventions. If you want updates on any of that stuff, you could just go on their Twitter, which is, you know, black girl gamers. Uh, And they have so many, you know, they always have updates on, uh, new things that they're doing, new events. Uh, they also have a website if you want to support financially, you know, where you could buy, you know, really cool merch. <laughs> so that, you know, that'd be really great too. So that's my plug. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I got to say? Oh, yeah. Listen to us on uh, Mega 10 Marathon, Mega10Marathon.com. If you go on basically, you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, or Spotify. You can find it there. Um, you know, we have all the, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all, all that kind of stuff. It's all in our Mega 10 Marathon. Uh, if you want to rate and review this show, um, that would be awesome. Uh, and there is an event coming up that I am uh, really excited about. Um so starting um all right quick note i screwed up uh right after this um the benefit is actually september 13th through the 15th so uh yeah just bear that in mind july uh friday july 13th and going through uh sunday july 15th we're going to be doing a live stream for uh immigrants rights and uh um legal support uh and there's already a bunch of people signed up hoping to get more people to sign up so uh yeah if you uh want to drop me a line on twitter i'm uh paul M. davis and uh you know if you want to stream this is something that i think all decent human beings have been uh you know kind of horrified in the recent months so you know whatever whatever we can do to uh sort of uh you know help out some of the organizations that are providing immigrants and immigrant children with uh legal support and uh just general support i you know i feel like it's the least we could do you know so uh I will be uh, will be posting uh, more about it as far as like where you can find it on Twitch um, and whatnot in the next uh, next uh, week or so. So uh, yeah, yeah, please uh, please keep posted, um, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, spamming the hell out of it. So if you want to watch a bunch of uh, gamers be uh dorks while we you know kind of choose you know do what we can for a much needed uh organize you know group of people uh or uh for a uh you know 
much deserving group of people. Uh, yeah, please, please uh, tune in to the Twitch stream and do what you can. Yeah, that's yeah. Thank you so much for all this. It's really important work. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's not much. You know, it, it, it feels like you know the times we are living in. It feels like uh, there's there's not much we can do, but you know, yeah. there are some really great organizations out there that you know need need as much money as they can get so yeah sorry to end on a uh kind of dark note but yeah it's something that you know is really really important to uh everybody that's uh gonna be uh gonna be participating so yeah yeah uh and i'll be tweeting that out uh paul m davis uh, i'll be tweeting it out at megaton marathon um you know, go on the Facebook, we'll have more details. I might drop just kind of a, um, you know, quick episode into the stream just so you know where to find it. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. And, uh, Oh, here's something less, uh, less grim. Um, we're also on Patreon for, uh, if you look up, uh, Mirror Image Studios. If you just want to throw down a buck or two every month, uh, that would help a lot with our hosting costs and recording costs. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else to say, but thanks so much for listening. Anything else you want to say, Lisa? Um, nothing else. Just, you know, once again, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks if you stop by that future stream. Thanks if you go on our Patreon or anything else that we plug today. So, you know, it was lovely being here. And <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Take care, awesome. everyone. Yeah, you t- uh, yeah, definitely. Everybody, take care. Hug your family. Hug your, hug your kids. All right. Mm-hmm.